good. Isn't that right? God is good all the time. <laughs> all the time. I'm, there's not a time God's not good. He's good at being God, and I'm glad He is good at being God. Amen? Oh, man, not everything is good all the time in our life, right? I mean, sometimes things just don't feel like they're, they're good, but uh, God is good all the time. I tell you what, you go to emergency room in Tulsa, St. John's on a Friday night, you encounter some different type of people. We're sitting in the, in the waiting room. I mean, we got there and, and with Deb's symptoms and with the ALS. I mean, we didn't sit out there long, but Hannah and, and, and Hunter and Kyle and Hayden got stuck out there for a while. And, and uh, they encountered some. There was one guy who was keeper of the blankets. He wasn't designated that. He didn't work at St. John's. He was just keeper of the blankets. He was king of the blankets. If you wanted a blanket, you had to go through him to get it. I mean, there was just some, some, some craziness going on there, and, and uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you to anyone who works in the medical field. Uh, if you work in an emergency room on Friday night, thank you. You have a, a, a difficult job. Well, there's been a debate. If you know anything about the NBA, uh, the National Basketball League Association, if, I mean, if you keep up with that at all. There's been a debate, and it's not really a big debate, but usually if it's talked about, it's talked about in this terms. Who is better, Michael or LeBron? Two 23s. Uh, someone said Michael. Amen to that. I agree. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it, they played in different times, right? They played in different eras. And, and it, it, it would, it's a difficult thing to, to determine who is the greatest. But I can tell you this, when it comes to the comparison, it's always who's greater than Michael. Not, I mean, you know, LeBron, is LeBron greater than Michael? Michael is like the gold standard when it comes to comparing people in the NBA. And everybody in the NBA wears something that's endorsed by Michael Jordan. I would agree that he was, he's better. I would agree that he's one of the greatest. Uh, but I know that's a debate that will go on forever and ever. Well, I say that to, to bring this up. Jehoshaphat... When you look into Chronicles, where we are, Second Chronicles chapter 17, if you want to turn there, we're going to be looking at, really be perusing through three chapters. But when we look at Jehoshaphat, he was a good king with Judah. He was one of Judah's good kings. He is a son of Asa. Asa was a good king. Asa had his issues. Asa, if you look in the book of Kings, was he really? I mean, uh, uh, not Asa, but last week uh, we talked about Asa, Jeff preached on that and did a great job, but, but Asa was a good king. He had issues as well. Every king here has issues because when you look in Scripture, Scripture does not portray perfect people. It only portrays a perfect God, okay? So when, you look, when we look at Jehoshaphat, we'll begin to understand, listen, he's one of three that they said was a good king in Judah. One of three. That's, that's a really sad comparison when you think about it, all the kings they had. But, but, but when you look at Jehoshaphat, he was one of three that was a good king. I say, I opened up with LeBron and Michael because David is the gold standard when it comes to kings. The Chronicle, when you look in Chronicles chapter 1, it starts out with genealogy. When you're reading through the Old Testament, if you're like me, you sometimes jump over the genealogy, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so. Or if you have an NIV, so-and-so was his dad and his mom, and, and on and on and on. You go through the genealogies, and you go, this is really, really, is this what it... But the Chronicle, when he's going through the genealogies, he ends with David. Because David was pretty much the gold standard when it came to kings of Judah. When it came to the kings of the Hebrew people, the, the Israelite people, 
David was the standard. Well, when you look at Jehoshaphat, he is compared to David. There's three, really, that are compared to David. And Jehoshaphat is one of them. Look with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Let's look at verse 1. Jehoshaphat, his son, when he became king in his place, made his position over Israel firm. He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah. He set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim. And Asa, his father, had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's his father David's earlier days and did not seek the bells. So Jehoshaphat is considered a really good king. He reigned for about 25 years and he's considered a good king to the people of Judah. Why? Because he followed in the ways of David, King David. He followed in the ways of Asa, his father. Verse 6 says, he took great pride in the ways of the Lord and again removed the high places, the Asherims from Judah. He took down idols that had been built. Remember, where did they build the idols? They built them in the land that God gave them. And they built idols to other gods who were not real gods. These were just false gods, but we do that. Okay, in about 24, 48, when does college football start? It's really soon, isn't it? About 30 days from now? Listen, three weeks? Okay, three weeks. Uh, So 21 days from now, college football is about to start. And trust me, that's an idol in a lot of people's lives. The NFL's already kicked off during preseason. That's going to be idols in a lot of people's life. Sports can become an idol. Your family can become an idol. Your job can become an idol. Anything, now listen, an idol isn't necessarily something bad. It's not something that you build in your backyard and go out and lay down and worship and, you know, light candles all around it. An idol is anything that you put in front of God. It can be your family, it can be your job. Listen, the the hierarchy of our life should be God, family, and whatever you do as a profession. God, family, and your profession. Sometimes we put our profession up top. Sometimes we put our family, we elevate our families up top. It's great to be a family guy. I love my family. I will do whatever I can for my family. I will go to the ends of the earth for my family. I will do whatever I can. But if I get my family in front of my relationship with God, I will not love them, treat them, or relate to them the way I should. It should always be God, family, and whatever you do as a profession, okay? So listen, you get that out of order, then you're putting idols in front of God. It could be a boat, it could be a car, it could be a home, whatever it is, not necessarily a bad thing. I want a roof over my family's house. That's a good, uh, over my family, that's a good thing. I want a roof over them that doesn't leak. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's my main job, my main desire in life, then my life is way out of order. Well, when you look at Jehoshaphat, he followed in the ways. He took down the idols. He really was, was hitting it out of the park. He, he put action to what he believed, and he began to do things. Look at verse 7. Then in the third year of his reign, he sent officials. He sent all these officials into Judah, into the city of Judah, to what? To teach God's word. He said, listen, I want you to go into Judah, and I want you to teach God's word. Now listen, he really began to put action to what he believed. Dads, let me talk to you just for a moment. You know, fathers, I, I know a lot of fathers who, who, who come to church with their children. I know a lot of fathers who believe in God's Word. But listen, you can believe in God's Word, but you're missing a step. The one step that we need to be doing within our families, with our children, with our wives, with, I mean, the, just together, the one thing we need to be doing together is what? Teaching God's Word. Jehoshaphat, that's one thing he did. Listen, he didn't just say, I believe God's Word. He didn't just say, to everyone in my kingdom, read God's Word. No, he sent in people and said, you 
began to teach God's Word in Judah. We're going to learn God's Word. That's what Sunday school is all about. I was looking at our numbers today, and, and I was somewhat disappointed because I can't see it from here, but I think we had 120 people in Sunday school. Now, I'm not, dog, I'm not just griping at you if you didn't come to Sunday school, but I'm just wondering, 128, 6, something. Boy, my eyes are bad. But I'm just wondering, why? Why not go to Sunday school? And to my teachers in this, cl- in, in this room who teach Sunday school, the one thing, and I know you got a job, and I know you got family and all that, but listen, if you're going to teach... God's Word to a group of people, that should, be, that should be a very prominent, important thing in your life all week long. On Monday, you ought to get your lesson and you begin to read it and let God speak to you through that. And Tuesday and Wednesday and studying God's Word. Too many times I've seen Sunday school teachers up here early on a Sunday morning going, uh, and you're trying to learn your lesson. Listen, that, that's hard, hard to learn a lesson in, in about an hour or late Sunday, Saturday night. You're, you're pouring over something. Listen, we need to really put importance on God's Word. That's what Jehoshaphat did. He was teaching God's Word. He sent it into the people. Go back just a chapter, chapter 14, and look at verse 4 with me. Asa. This is what Asa did. Asa, in chapter 14, verse 4, it's a good verse. Look what he did. He said, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. And you go, well, that, that's really good for Asa. That sounds really good. It does sound really good. But let me tell you what Jehoshaphat did. He sent people in to begin to teach. You say, well, I believe God's word. You can believe God's word and not teach it. You can believe God's word and not live it out in your life. You can believe a lot of things and not live it out in your life. You know, I, I believe in, in obeying the speed limit, but <laughs> I believe that stop signs are there for a purpose, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, we can believe a lot of things, but until you really begin to put it into your life and do it, then you're not really honoring God. You honor God by honoring His Word in your life. That's how you honor God. You don't honor God by having all these beliefs of, well, I think this is wrong, and this is wrong, and that is wrong. And all those things you believe may be absolutely true, but we honor God by putting action to what we say. We honor God by honoring His Word. And dads, moms, everybody in this room, students, children, we should be reading God's Word because with Jehoshaphat, the Word was the foundation of His reign. The Word was the foundation of his life. Now, did that make him perfect? Absolutely not. So he develops this system. He, he sends people in and they begin to teach. It's the foundation. The lifting up of God's word gave him protection. It, God protected him. Look at verse 9. They taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with the cities of Judah, and they taught among the people. Now, the dread of the Lord was in all the kingdoms of the land which were around Judah. Why? Because they were lifting up God's word, they were teaching God's word. And God said, I'm going to protect you guys. You want protection in your home? Don't just call ADT. Nothing wrong with having a security system in your home. But if you want true protection in your home, teach God's word to your family. You can do that by coming to church with them, making sure they're in Sunday school, making sure they're here on Wednesday night, you being here on Wednesday night. 
Man, I, 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 I'm glad we have security teams. I'm going to say this. I hope I don't offend anybody to do it, but I find it funny on Wednesday nights when we have 32 people on security out in the hallway and eight people in the Bible study. We don't put importance on God's Word. And it reflects. See, Jehoshaphat said, I'm not just going to say something. I'm going to do it. Well, Jehoshaphat makes a big mistake. Look at chapter 18. Turn there with me if you would. Ahab, the king of Israel. Ahab was one of the worst kings that they had. Jehoshaphat's one of the best kings that Judah had. And Ahab was one of the worst kings that Israel had. Look what Jehoshaphat does. Verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor. He aligned himself by marriage with Ahab. He comes into a covenant with him through marriage. Some years later, he went down to visit Ahab at Samaria, and Ahab slaughtered many sheep and ox for him and the people who were with him and induced him to go up against Ramoth Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he said to him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in battle. He aligns himself with the bad king. He does what we're told not to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Just listen as I read this to you. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. King James Version would say, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now that's not just talking about who you marry, though it is referencing that. It's also talking about who you go into business with, partnerships with. Does that mean that we as Christians can't be around people who are not Christians in this world? Absolutely not. Because Paul, when, when he writes later in 1 Corinthians 5, 19-13, he rebutes that. But what, what this verse is saying is, be in the world but not be of the world, but it's also saying this, listen, you do not let the world influence your thinking as a believer in Jesus Christ. Be very careful. And girls, if you're in here looking for a boyfriend or a husband, whatever age you may be, here's two requirements they must have. Love Jesus and have a job. Okay? My son-in-laws, one requirement when they came to me and said, hey, can I marry your daughter? They started going through all this spill. I'm like, time out. You love Jesus? Yeah. We're good. You got a job? <laughs> good. <laughs> love Jesus, have a job. If you're dating someone, if you're looking for a boyfriend, make sure he loves Jesus. I've heard it too many times of, of a young girl coming, or even a young man, but more in the girl's side of, of the equation. Young girl comes and says, well, he, he doesn't really go to church, but, but I'm, going, I'm going to bring him. That influence always goes the other direction. Love Jesus, have a job, or be in school, be a good student, right? Don't be unequally yoked. Now you say, well, okay, too late for me. I already got married to my husband or my wife. You know, they don't go to church. So should I get out of that? Absolutely not. First Peter tells us, listen, 
Ladies, by your testimony, he can be one to Jesus Christ. You're in a relationship, you stay in the relationship. If you're getting beat or if you're being physically abused, that's a different thing. But the Bible is very clear to us that we are not to be unequally yoked. And Jehoshaphat becomes unequally yoked here. He goes into an alignment with a bad king. He goes into an alignment with someone that he should not have been in a relationship with. He allowed the world to influence his thinking. When you're at work and you're a believer and you're around lost people, their influence, their thinking can influence you. But like I said, Peter, Paul was not saying just a, a pull away from them. We are to be in the world, just not of the world. That's why you with your Bible study, that's why you with God's Word, you should be building yourself up as a garrison, as a stronghold of what you believe in God's Word. So when you're in that position at work or wherever you may be, when you're in that position and there's someone who doesn't believe the way you believe, you understand why you believe it and you understand what you believe. That's why God's Word is so critical. That's why, dads, it's critical for your kids when you send them to school, even in Shakota where we're protected somewhat by, by our, our way of thinking. Listen, there, whatever school you go to, there are some other thoughts that children bring in because their home life may not be like the one your child is coming from, and you need to make sure that they understand what they believe and why they believe it because it's critical when they get there and they're put under pressure. I tell young girls when they go out on a date, take your Bible and put it right in the middle of you and that, that guy in the front seat and tell him it's going to be awful hard for you to come over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to me, right? Put that Bible there. It's all right. In high school, I wasn't a perfect kid, but I had a Bible in my car all the, everywhere I went. And I didn't always, well, that's a sermon for another day. <laughs> hey, Listen. Jehoshaphat aligns himself with Ahab. Go back. Well, you never left Chronicles, so stay there. So what happens? Well, Jehoshaphat begins to, you know, he is, he is a good king. He looks at Ahab and he says, hey, Ahab, time out here for a second. Is there some, is there some people that we can acquire of? Are, are, are there some, some, some prophets that we can talk to before we go into battle? Look at verse 4. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the word of the Lord. King of Israel assembled the prophets, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into their hands. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire? So what did Ahab do? Ahab just got a bunch of yes men, his prophets that he created. He brings them in. They go, oh, yes, king, go. You're, you can, you'll be just fine. And Jehoshaphat is saying, wait, wait, wait. We need to inquire the Lord. We need someone who will speak on the Lord. And what did Ahab say? Ahab said, well, I know a guy, but I don't like him. I actually, the word says hate. I actually hate him because every time I talk to Micaiah, he always says bad things about me that God's going to do. So what do they begin to, I'm getting the, the time signal. Oh, it is time. Thank you, Larry. Micaiah, look at verse 16. So he said to all Israel, I saw all Israel. When they, when they bring Micaiah in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 16, he says, I, this, okay, if you want my opinion, if you want me to tell you what I saw, this is what I see. He said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep 
which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? See, Jehoshaphat knew within himself, Listen, we need to inquire of God here. When, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit's in your life, do what the conviction, what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. He aligns himself with the bad king. He made a mistake. All of us in this room make mistakes. We'll make a commitment one, one, one night at Falls Creek. We'll make a commitment one Sunday morning or Sunday evening here. We're like, God, I'm not going to return to that again. I'm not going to do that again. And we find ourselves just a few weeks later back at the old slop trough that the earth has for us, thinking we're going to find some type of peace and some type of, uh, of fulfillment there. And we come up empty and go, whoa. I messed up again. And that's what Jehoshaphat does. He, he aligns himself with the bad king. He makes a mistake. He gets into battle. And look what, in verse 28, what Ahab says. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramon Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself, go into battle, but you put on your robe. In other words, the king, Ahab says, listen, I'm going to wear, I'm going to put on a beard. No one's going to know who I am. I'm not going to have on my kingly robes, but you wear yours. I'm going to put a target on your back. Because when they see a king, they're going to go after you, and I'm going to escape, be okay. So they do that. They do that. Verse 31, So when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat, what did he do? He cried out. God always makes a way out for us, people. Folks, church family, listen. God makes a way out for us. Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, help me. And God diverted them from him. When the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from their pursuing him. Jehoshaphat made a mistake, but God will always make a way out for you. He will always have the Holy Spirit and that conviction in your life saying, why are you doing this? You need to turn back. Why did you create this alliance? You need to turn back. Why are you dating this young man? He doesn't love God. He's influenced you in a bad way. Why are you dating this young lady? She doesn't, she doesn't love God. She's influenced you in a bad way. You need to turn back. You need, sometimes we need to cut strings with relationships that we have that don't fulfill us in growing us to be like Jesus Christ. And Jehoshaphat cries out. He said, God, save me. I'm in trouble. I've made a mistake. And God saved him. God heard his cry. Look what happened to Ahab. When the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king, they stopped pursuing. Verse 33, a certain man drew a bow randomly and struck the king of Israel in the joint of the armor. So he said to his driver of the chariot, turn around, take me out of the fight. I am severely wounded. The battle raged that day. And the king of Israel propped himself up on his chariot in front of uh, Era means until the uh, of the era means until the evening, and at sunset he died. Sometimes we align ourselves, put ourselves in situations we should not be in. But God will always make a way out for his children. God's Word should be the number one thing in your life outside the relationship you have with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. You should, you should, you should desire reading God's Word. You should desire spending time with God. You should have, as a Sunday school teacher, you should just be aching here waiting for next Sunday morning because you get to teach God's Word to a group of people that's going to come in and God's going to lay something on your heart this week and you should just be 
fulfilled with God's Word. You should just be overflowing with God's Word. But we just don't make it prominent in our life. We think coming in this hour, or maybe in Sunday school, and we're good with God's Word. You can't get enough of God's Word. Jehoshaphat made it the foundation of his ministry, made it the foundation of his kingdom, his life, and he was saved when he figures out, I'm in a bad situation. He cries out to God. And the protection of God was in his life. God's Word was the foundation. Well, Jehoshaphat, we'll pick him up next Sunday. But let me wrap this up. Let me... Let me begin to wrap this up. We align ourselves oftentimes with everything but God. We allow the influence of this world dictate how we are as Christians. And that is so wrong. On Wednesday night, we started looking at the book of First Peter. Hope you come on Wednesday night. Larry and Pam's going to start cooking Wednesday night meals again. This Wednesday, spaghetti and salad. 5.30, we have dinner, and we study God's Word. We've got a ladies' Bible study starting in about a month and a men's Bible study starting in about a month because we want you to know and learn God's Word while you're here. In the Fellowship Hall, I teach kind of a general, and like I said, it's First Peter. God's Word, what is the foundation of your life? Is it your personal beliefs? Is it your personal thoughts? Is it what your mom and dad taught you? You know, the example that they gave you? What is the foundation of your life? If it's not God's Word, then you're building your foundation on the wrong thing. You're like the man who built his house on sand. And when the storm comes, you're just going to crumble. Man, I'm thankful as a young boy at nine years old, I heard the prompting of the Holy Spirit in my life. I did nothing. I just went to church on a Sunday night because my mom and dad made me go. The wonderful world of Disney was on every Sunday night at 6 o'clock. I tell you what, the world knows how to hook us because to this day I still love Disney movies and I watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang the other night trying to introduce it to my girls, and they're like, Dad, this is the lamest movie we've ever seen. I'm like, no, no, it's a great movie. The world knows how to put a hook in you and distract you from God and to keep you from desiring God. But Sunday night, nine years old, I just felt the Holy Spirit drawing me and the words that the preacher was preaching were just more real to me than ever before. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ because he drew me to himself. It's amazing how God does this. And all I've known to do is just try and raise my family on God's word and to teach it on Wednesday nights and Sundays. I'm not perfect. I'm the, I feel like Paul oftentimes, I'm the biggest sinner of all. 
but I want my life built on the foundation of God's Word, and I'm so thankful it is because we're in a storm. If it wasn't for God's Word, for just sitting on my back porch and reading God's Word, then I would crumble. It's not because I'm some super Christian. It's just because I just built my life on God's Word. When a storm comes in your life, make sure your life is built on God's Word. Because you'll be like that man who built his house on sand, and your life will begin to crumble. Man, we don't get it. We don't understand why we're going through this. We want it to stop. Nobody wants to sit at an emergency room with a bunch of people all night long going, wow. But it's okay. Because I know, even if I don't see the hand of God, I'm going to trust in the heart of God. I know the heart of God says, I love you. I love your family and I love Deb. And I got you. It's all we know to lean on. What is your life built on? Jehoshaphat built it on God's word. He taught it to his people. He makes a mistake. He aligns with a bad king. But he cries out to God. And God was quick to save him. Would that would you let that be your life? Just building your life on God's word. Father God, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love that you have for us. God, I pray that we would all build our life on your word. Sunday school teachers in this room, <clears throat> we would be taking the word that we have, that lesson that we have, and allowing you to just develop it in our life this week. And as people in members of that class, God, we'd have a desire to go and just sit under teaching because it changes our life. Because God, when we see the Jehoshaphat, was teaching, having his word taught, your word taught. Just a few verses later, we see where they were volunteering for the work of the Lord. When your word gets into our life, it changes us. Father God, I pray that we would teach your word best we know how. God, you would just build a wall of protection around us doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen to us. doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. But God, when it does, we won't be like the man who built his house on sand. We'll just trust in you and know that you are a good God and you are good all the time. So God, thank you for your word. And I pray that we would apply it to our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if it's okay with you guys, we're not going to do public invitation. Okay? We're just, the invitation is for you in your heart this week and today. And you say, Father God, change me.